0: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello and welcome back to another edition of Stampede Radio. I'm your host, Chris Blystone, and I'm joined today by Chris Shepard and no Jim Campbell this time. Jim is in Disneyland. So, Chris, how's it going? Hey, Chris. So it's the All Chris Podcast today. Uh, Jim is living it up in Disneyland with his family. And uh, so congrats, Jim. Enjoy that. (laughs) But we're still here. We're still here and we're going to bring you some Colts content and uh some interesting things going on we we've had a win we had you know a a a successful game last week like uh like we thought and we got to watch how quiet titans fans can get really quickly (laughs) um it's amazing loudest and quietest fan base you'll find so uh if you if you listen to the podcast we were pretty relentless with Titans fans. I noticed that we got to them. We watched, uh, I watched some message boards and saw that, that, uh, that there were some people who did listen and they, they enjoyed us as much as we enjoyed us. I'm sure. Um, so anyway, it was nice to beat the Titans. Nice, nice to prove that we're still their daddy. And, uh, and that just because Andrew Luck's gone, we don't have to stop beating them down relentlessly. Yeah, it's it's
1: really weird. I have uh, I have several more people now that have blocked me on Twitter. So, uh, you know, kind of kind of weird. I don't know what happened. I don't know I don't know why they would have done that.
0: Yeah, I can't imagine. I'm sure that you were very great. I'm sure you were very gracious about the whole I, thing. It seems yeah. very very likely. Yeah,
1: I, I I don't talk or or boast. You know, it's just not me.
0: Well excitingly, this week, we have a fan base that I don't think we're going to tangle with the same way. Um, We're going to be playing our first, the home opener, two two road games to open the season in our home to face the Atlanta Falcons. And um, so we're going to talk a little bit about that. Obviously, we're going to do our full game preview for Friday. But first, before we get into any of that, we're going to go through some news because there was a little bit. So you know, we haven't heard official practice reports or anything like that yet. So obviously got to reserve judgment a little bit on how things are going, but we do know that Darius Leonard is in concussion protocol, started experiencing concussion symptoms, um, I guess either late Sunday or early Monday. And so he is in the league's concussion protocol. That is something to monitor very closely because obviously he's a key part of the defense and losing him would not be great. Although, given that they drafted two linebackers who are of similar profile, it's a whole lot better this year than it would have been last year, I think, for him to miss. I don't know if you agree with that or not.
1: Yeah, I mean, this year they've at least got some guys that can come in and, and – athletically or, or of, uh, you know, similar elk. Uh, you know, I don't know that anybody's going to come in and, and match his level of play. I think that that would be unrealistic. Even even though he hasn't necessarily played as well so far this year as he did last year, um, I don't think that, that there's going to be anybody that's going to come in and match that. But, like you said, um, better better this year than, than what it would have been last year. Um, hopefully he can come back and, you know, he, he's okay, shakes that off, and, and this doesn't become a thing for him. Um, you know, don't know why. What I have always been concerned, just given the fact that he is so slender at a very physical position. But you know, being slender doesn't have anything to do with head injuries. Um, so you know, hopefully this uh, this isn't something that lingers, and hopefully he can get back out there and and play like normal. And and this is it.
0: Yes, and so in addition to uh, in addition to Leonard, we he's not the only starter who is a little dinged up. We also had Pierre Desir leave the game. Uh, against the Titans and had a knee injury. It's Like I wasn't really sure what it was at that point, but they've said at this point, it's a bone bruise. It's not as serious as they maybe thought that it could be. And they're monitoring it. They were not ready to say day to day or week to week. And I assume they'll be pretty cagey about the injury all the way up until, you know, until basically they have to tell us whether he's in or out just because it gives them a little bit of a competitive advantage to kind of hold their cards close to the chest. And, so we don't really know necessarily what the outlook is for Pierre to but it would obviously not be great for us to be missing our, uh, st- one of our starting cornerbacks and, and arguably our best cover cornerback when we go are facing the, probably the best receiver group in the NFL, but almost certainly the best one we're going to face all this season. So, um, definitely not the ideal time to have him banged up hopefully he can get back quickly even though that's a a relatively deep group and we do think that there are guys who can fill in at the spot pretty well it's never good to be missing somebody of his quality
1: right yeah no ultimately um i hope that it would matter if he plays um but man after taking a look at, at that falcons offense and those receivers you know it's obviously having him in there is better than not having him in there. I'm not sure how much of an impact he would be able to directly have. Um, just because, I mean, those receivers are so, so good. Um, you know, I'm not saying that the corner, the corners don't matter. The cornerback play doesn't matter. Um, But I think that this is, this is one of those times we talked about it in week one with, uh, with Joey Bosa, you know, uh, I think I said, you know, he's just going to get his sack. Like that's just going to happen. And then it happened and this receiving core is kind of the same way. It's kind of one of those deals where they're, they're probably just going to get there. So if he plays, obviously it's better than if he doesn't, um, But at the same time, this is it's going to be the Atlanta Falcons are going to have 16 mismatches this year. Uh, No matter who they play, uh, their receivers are going to be better than than the opposing defensive backs. That's just how it's going to be.
0: All right, and then last guy on the injury list here, Jabal Sheard actually was a little bit had some activity on the sideline during practice last week, and it, it sounds like he may actually get some practice action in this coming week, which is exciting. Uh, they're, they're not going to play him. They're not ready for that. He's not ready to come back entirely, but they didn't rule out that he might play next week. So that's, that's really encouraging because the Colts really need him back. There is a big difference in our run defense with Jabal Sheard on the field, and it would be a really big asset to have him back, um, sooner rather than later, but obviously we'd rather have him back and fully healthy before, uh, before we start really getting into the meat of the season. So hopefully he's going to be, back sooner rather than later. Next couple of weeks maybe we're going to see him uh in in action. So that's definitely an exciting thing. And um and mm-hmm. then, you know, so we also have uh, an update on Chad Kelly that um you know, they've made a decision on what they're going to do with him. We don't know what that is. They're not going to give us that information just yet, but in the next couple of days we're going to know what the deal is with him, especially given some injuries. That's a tricky situation because they got to figure out how to make that work. And I don't know. I'm not sure what that means for him. I don't think that he makes it to the practice squad, given what all is going on in uh, the league in terms of quarterback injuries. I just have a hard time thinking he makes it. And so it seems like there's a, good possibility that the Colts carry three quarterbacks and try to sneak him onto the roster. But then who do they get rid of? Uh, so that's, that's something that's definitely, right. especially given the the layout of the league is an interesting thing to consider.
1: Yeah. Two weeks ago, if you would have asked me if I thought the Colts would get him to the practice squad, my answer would have been probably uh, just due to the fact that, you know, this is his what third or fourth, second chance that he's had. Um, so, you know, it, he's got some character concerns, but uh, when the league is as injured as it is, and you know, he, he has the raw talent that he has. um, There aren't a lot of those guys on practice squads right now. And, and uh, any of those guys that currently are there, they will get snatched up. So it wouldn't, if, if Chad Kelly got cut, if he gets cut, I would expect him to, to get claimed somewhere. Somebody's going to pick him up and and want to get him at least on their team as a backup. Um, I, I know the New York Jets right now are, are probably scrambling to find anyone that can play quarterback. So, um, you know, there's a lot of options there um, as far as if he were to get cut where he would go. But, yeah, I think the Colts are probably going to try to hold on to him if I had to guess. Um, but, you know, you never know. Anything could happen.
0: Yeah. Well, the Jets were my first thought because they already have, and we, we were talking about this in our Slack channel. They've got six Colts on their roster right now and or six former Colts. And obviously there's that connection between the front offices that, that has you know worked well, I think for both sides. And I just, I don't think he would, I think he'd be very quickly finding himself a New York jet. And uh, while I, wouldn't hate that if he could do some damage in division. I, I'd really like to hang on to him as a, a backup and, and see if he can keep his nose clean and, and maybe be a backup of the future for the Colts. So, yeah. Uh, and then finally, uh, they, the Colts have said, Adam Vinatieri is the guy they're, they're moving forward with Adam Vinatieri. They have full faith in him. He is their kicker. Every glowing review that they could give, uh, for Adam Vinatieri, that he's the guy. And so he's, he's going to be kicking in Lucas Oil Stadium on Sunday. That's that's their their guy, Adam Vinatieri. He's not retiring. He said he didn't even consider retirement. Um, I expressed my disbelief in that uh, via Twitter because I think that may, maybe he decided against it. But I the idea that he didn't even consider it is just, I think, a lie to me. I just don't believe him at all. Um, I, I don't know how you can go through that situation and not think about it at 46 years old and just not have it even cross your mind. But uh, yeah, I. And, and then the things that he said to Stephen Holder, it, it really did give somewhat of an implication that that was on his mind. And sure, right. after, after the heat of the moment has passed and you're not emotional about it anymore, you look at it and go, you know, that maybe that was a stupid reaction for me. And and maybe I overreacted and I don't want to do that. And that's totally fine for him to have that response. I mean, it's you get to decide when you retire. I mean, it's up to you. Um, But, you know, I didn't buy any of that. And then you've got a laundry list of kickers, Elliot Fry, Cody Parkey, Young Hoku, Greg Joseph, Cole Headland, and Chase McLaughlin. And I feel like there was somebody else even that uh, that one of the Indy Star writers specifically mentioned. And I don't remember the names exactly, but there were several kickers brought in for tryouts. And that's Chris Ballard's way. I mean, he's going to cover all of his bases. But that also tells me that this may be it. I mean, if he has a game in Lucas Oil Stadium like he had, that's going to be the end. And mm-hmm. and I don't know, there's been you know various rumors tossed around. Did the Colts convince him to stay or, or did he just uh, clear his head? I thought Jim Merce had really good comments after the game and some people tried to kind of twist it like he was saying something ridiculous. I thought it was actually very wise uh, on his part to say, we're going to, try to take this from an unemotional perspective and look at it that way mm-hmm. and, and remove ourselves from the immediate reactionary emotional state that takes place right after the game and i thought that was actually really smart because that is what you should do mm-hmm. but you also have to look at it from the perspective of this is a guy who has made 33 percent of his uh field goals and 40% of his extra points or, or vice versa. I can't remember if I've got those numbers flipped either way. It's very ugly that those numbers should not be what your numbers are for either of those things. Um, and from a cold logical standpoint, he can't have too many more chances because this team is going to be too close in terms of the margins to win games and for him to be missing kicks at the rate that he is now. So I don't think that he has much more rope. Um, but obviously now they've, they've brought kickers in to try out and, and we'll have a backup plan
1: yeah so i like i like the fact that the team is is sticking with him and they're standing behind him and they're they're saying hey you know this is this is our team leader this is a team leader this is our guy um you know it's good to know it, it drives me crazy when other teams Have a kicker. They sign a kicker, right? They've got this kicker all off season. They they say that's their kicker. He misses a couple kicks early in the season, and they cut him. And like I get it, he's just a kicker, and the kicker's only there to kick, and he's there to score points. But at the same time, he was still on the team. He was still one of the guys in the locker room, even though he's a kicker. And even kickers, I know, aren't the same. But at the same time, the dude's still on the team. And yeah, Adam Vinatieri gets a longer rope because he's he is a legitimate Hall of Fame kicker. He's he's literally won Super Bowls, um, on his own, (laughs) like without him kicking field goals in the Super Bowl game over Patriots lose. They aren't a thing. You know, now that I mentioned it, I kind of wish Adam Vinatieri never would have played. I'm kidding. Not really, but you know, without him, Patriots maybe aren't a thing. Um, but you know, he, he's a great kicker. And so I think that that's bought him a little bit extra time. Um, but it's good to know that they are sticking, sticking beside him. Um, they aren't just going to throw him, throw him to the wayside when you know he's had a, a couple of rough games. Uh, I am very concerned. I think every Colts fan has every right to be concerned, and Chris Ballard's concerned. I think everyone is concerned, or you don't bring in you know a parade of kickers to try out. Um, so you know they're doing their due diligence. They're making sure that they have a plan in place if and when Vinny has another bad game or couple of bad games. Um, and you know, they're, they're going to be ready to go, but they, they aren't throwing him away after a couple of bad ones. They're going to give him a a chance to right the ship and, and hopefully turn things around and, and, you know, I'm pulling for him. I hope he can, uh, if he can't, then yeah, you know, they they tried out a bunch of guys and they're going to have, well, they'll probably have start their own parade of kickers coming through. So we'll see what happens. Um, you know, hopefully this isn't a thing. Hopefully, you know, in a couple weeks, Adam Vinatieri back to being the Adam Vinatieri of old, just, you know, 46 years old. It, it, this whole thing's reminded me of a story that Pat McAfee told, um, a long time ago about, uh, when it was during the, the, the playoff run, when they brought in, uh, it was an old Baltimore Ravens kicker. I can't, can't think of the guy's name right now. Um, but they brought him in and, and he kicked for the, the playoff run.
0: Um, and it's Matt Stover,
1: Matt Stover. There you go. And, uh, it, Talking about how they ended up, the the two of those guys ended up having a kickoff because if if Vinatieri was going to play or stay on the team or whatever it was, and (laughs) McAfee said that he's never seen a more competitive person in his entire life, and this dude plays kicker, (laughs) and he's he's that competitive. So seeing all those guys come in, you know, if if that doesn't motivate him to be better, if if he can't. If he can't turn it around after that, knowing the fact that he is as competitive as he is, um, then I don't think anything's going to. And I, I think that this is the end for Adam Vinatieri, but we'll see. Um, but like you said, after after all those guys came through, I think that, you know, if he has another rough game, this is it.
0: Well, my hope for him is that he just goes out there and kills it. And also that the Colts don't have to kick any field goals. <laughs> yep.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Both. Yeah. Both things. Uh huh.
0: Yeah, no field goals, lots of extra points, and no difficulty with them. That would be the ideal, uh, the ideal situation. So, yep. um, and that's it in terms of news. So nothing else too exciting. Hopefully, we'll we'll have uh, some practice report updates in order uh, when we when we drop the game preview podcast. We'll have a little bit more to go on in terms of some of these injuries. Hopefully, Darius Leonard maybe is progressing, and we'll know a little bit more on that front. And. And yes, and, and know about any other injuries. There were a couple of guys I was concerned about. I don't know if you, if you thought this, but there were a couple of times, it was hard to tell when it's 95 degrees and these guys are roasting hot. It's hard to tell whether they are hurt or just hurting because it's miserable. Um, and you know, there are a couple of guys, Marlon Mack, I watched and wondered at several points whether he was hurt or whether he was just exhausted from the heat. And so I'll be really interested to hear some of those guys, um, see how they're doing. Kamoko Ture is a guy that I'm interested to see what the update is because uh, the Colts are going to need him on Sunday. So mm-hmm. um, in terms of last Sunday, I wanted to go through some winners and losers from this game. And I think there were a fair number on both sides, but I'll let you start us out here. Who, who was your big winner? Uh, the guy that you were really impressed with on Sunday.
1: So the guy that I'm probably that I was probably most impressed with was Danico Autry. Um, Autry was working against the the Titans' best guard for most of the day, um, Roger Saffold, who who signed a, a big deal after coming over from the Rams in the off season. Um, Saffold has has been a, a solid ta- or a solid guard for a long time. Uh, he's not he's not elite, but he's 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 very good. He earned the uh, I, I think uh, an eleven million dollar a year salary from. Uh, from the Titans, and and he's been worth it. So, uh, to see Autry come in and and have the type of day that he had, I think he had two sacks on the day. Um, it was it was a big game for him, uh, and it was good to see. It was good to see that you know he's out there, he's he's working, and and uh, he was able to come through for us in this game. So, my big winner is uh, is definitely Danico Autry.
0: Yeah, it was really good to see him play back up to that level because he was kind of a non-factor in week one. And that made me a little concerned because we really are counting on him to be disruptive in the interior. Mm-hmm. And and that interior pressure makes a huge difference for those guys on the outside. It just, I mean, if you can press the pocket and, mm-hmm. and don't allow those good guys, I mean, because – that's what Philip Rivers did in the first game was just stepped up in the pocket and avoided guys like uh Kamogo and made that made it that much harder to get to him if you can press the pocket and not allow them to step up that gives those guys coming off the right side an opportunity to create turnovers because Kamogo Ture already had you know he had two sack fumbles, one that got obviously called back and was close on a couple of others where he couldn't get to him because Rivers was able to step up in the pocket. If he can't step up in the pocket on a couple of those, you're maybe talking about significant turnovers. Um, that's just a, a real game changer, especially against good composed quarterbacks when you collapse that pocket. And, and, you know, against lousy ones like Mariota, they'll just run right to you anyway. But um, <laughs> So you don't have to collapse the pocket. You just kind of wait for him. But yeah, yeah. It's such a huge... Difference maker in that game and you know, he just he didn't look like he struggled. I mean He, there, he just kind of threw guys off a lot of times. It just seemed like he he just looked great and it was really exciting to see him uh, Doing well again. Definitely agree. He was a, a big winner. Mm-hmm. I The guy that caught my eye Wasn't A starter, uh, but cardi willis was a guy who I was really impressed by and and he just jumped out at me off of the screen. And then when I went back and actually watched, uh, the all 22 and went back and watched the film, it, it, he continued. I mean, I was still impressed with, with what he put out there, but, uh, the first play that I noticed was actually not a great play by anybody on the defense. But the thing that I noticed about him, it was about an eight yard gain, I believe from Derek Henry around the right side. And he was blocked by a tight end and he just shed this tight end, spun in and made the tackle. Um, and there are so many times in the previous game where we watched a tight end get locked up with a linebacker, and you just couldn't get free. These these linebackers struggled. Both both Darius Leonard and uh, Anthony Walker struggled to get free from a tight end who's blocking them, and just you know ineffective in the play. And here's Kari Willis just shedding this guy like he's nothing and making this tackle. Uh, and then later you see him coming across the field and stopping. Um, Making a great stop of uh, Marcus Mariota, mm-hmm. he he closed on the ball on on a uh, on a play where it was a I believe it was an end around uh, from uh, who's their slot receiver that they signed that uh, Humphrey, Adam Adam Humphreys yeah mm-hmm. yeah he I mean he stopped him for no gain diagnosed the play ran downhill hard and got him with no gain and just he looked good he looked like a really good player um, which is not great news for somebody like. Uh, like Clayton Gethers, who I think has struggled for the first mm-hmm. couple of games of this season. And so having a guy who they they moved up in the draft, they obviously liked some things about him. He's a, he's a well-known uh, leader, was a well-known locker room leader at Michigan State and just a, a good character guy, exactly the kind that they like. That's not good news for Clayton Gethers. His snaps went up dramatically from week one to week two. And I don't know if that was game game plan specific or they just liked what they saw from him. Uh, but I think that he, the outlook is looking pretty good for Kari Willis to continue to take a bigger and bigger role as the season goes on. And that's encouraging.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So one thing, um, I I will say, I haven't watched a lot of Colts, all 22 on the defensive side of the ball yet this year. Um, just due to the fact that I've been spending so much time on, on other projects, but just from watching the games, uh, I, I noticed Clayton Gathers Gaith- in coverage, uh, and I haven't noticed Corey Willis. And on the the TV copy, that's it's usually a bad thing if I'm noticing you if you're not intercepting a pass at the safety position. Um, so you know, he, Gaithers has had a couple of letdowns in coverage, and and historically, that's always been you know his weaker point uh, between hitting and, and covering. Now I think Willis also isn't being put in a lot of those positions where he has to cover all the time. I, again, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I'm going to, I'm going to have to go back and watch. Um, but just based on what I have noticed from the Colts, they're running a, a lot more single high safety sets with Malik Cooker over the top. So that tells me that that Kari Willis is either in man more often, or he's, you know, he's playing, um, you know, that underneath zone and that cover three. So, um, you know, he hasn't, he hasn't been a liability in coverage, uh, and he's been making a, a lot of big plays, a, a lot of stops. He's coming up, he's setting the edge, he's tackling well, um, you know, you, you, don't, you don't notice him doing anything bad, and, and he's just making solid plays. Like you said, the, the one tackle on Henry, he made it about eight yards downfield, but at the same time, he's a safety, so uh, he, he's the last line of defense not really most of the time it's going to be Hooker but you know he he is on that last level he's on the third level of the defense so if you're going to be making a tackle um you know i think that you can't criticize a guy too many times if it happens you know 8 yards downfield so he he's been solid uh, he's been good and like you said that's that's not a great thing for Clayton um but at the same time it's good for the Colts they they it's early and, and things could change um but they look like that they might have found a you know a late round solid late round starter at, at safety. So that that's exciting. And it's going to be exciting to watch him as the season goes on.
0: Absolutely. And at the very worst, they've got somebody who is a good rotational backup mm-hmm. and, and has, and has upside. So, yeah. yep. um, very exciting to see that. Okay. Well, who else have you got as a winner, uh, in this game?
1: Um, I mean, there's a a lot to choose from. I think for me, uh, the offensive line is probably going to be a big winner and I'm, I'm going to cheat and take all five. Sorry. Um, you know, they gave up a sack. Um, the ground game didn't get moving that much, but at the same time, this is a really talented Titans front seven. Um, and it's unfortunate that we have to play that talented front seven twice a year, but we do. Um, and, for the most part, they, they let Jacoby Brissett stay clean. Uh, they let him stand in the pocket and make throws. Um, you know, We can talk about the, the quality of some of those throws later if you'd like, but um, the, they gave him time to throw. Uh, he did have to scramble a little bit. He, he did make some escapes and, and have some runs, but for the most part, all things considered, given given the talent on that other side of the ball, I really think that the offensive line uh, played well, uh, and I think that they're going to continue to play well uh, as the season goes on. There is a weak link on the offensive line, um, and I'll, I'll get to him unless you take him uh, later. Um, but he is a, he is a weak link, and I was concerned about him this season. I actually I actually wanted the Colts to draft. Uh, someone, and I, I'll talk about that too, but I, I, I wanted the Colts to draft a guy uh, to to kind of fill in there just in case. And But again, the offensive line as a whole uh, played solid, and, and I was impressed with, with what I saw out of them.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. And then there was a, a breakdown from Brian Baldinger, and those are always excellent to watch, uh, where he's showing just some of their work on the offensive line. And you watch that, and it's just... Uh, And he says this many times and many people have said this. Quentin Nelson just makes watching the offensive line fun. And if you're not somebody who liked watching offensive line play, he kind of sells you on the idea of getting into watching offensive line play because he's just something else. I mean, and watching he and Ryan Kelly and Anthony Costanzo go to work, it's it's impressive. And it, it was a lot of fun to watch them.
1: Yeah, I, I'm a I'm a big fan of the uh the Quentin Nelson highlight clips that, that everybody seems to be watching now. I liked watching offensive line uh when you know, we didn't have a 500 pound gorilla slamming people into the ground. So it's, a. I'm like a kid in a candy store now. I, every time the all 22 comes out, I'm, I'm waiting just to, to try to find Quentin Nelson pancakes before somebody else finds it and posts it because I want to see it for the first time, you know? And, uh, so it's been, uh, it's been fun watching, watching those guys play together and, and watching what, especially that left side of the line, watching what those guys can do. Um, it's amazing what happens when you have three first round, three former first round picks working together on one side of the line it it uh it's worked out
0: well and i'm going to piggyback off of that a little bit and just throw a real quick one in and that's that's jack doyle um because while he hasn't done a crazy amount in terms of the passing game and, and he has been a good outlet for that on occasion he's been an excellent blocker mm-hmm. and some of his and his blocks in i think both i think both instances i i'm i'm not certain i'd have to go back and rewatch watch max big a uh, big broken run, but I think he kind of set the seal block that broke both of those open. Unless I'm mistaken, I know that that was the case for the Jordan Wilkins run. Uh, maybe you remember on the Mac run, but I mean he's been involved in a lot of of really good blocks uh, in both games so far, and it's just been impressive to see that out of him, and glad to have him back doing that.
1: Absolutely, yeah, yeah. It, 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 he has been good, uh, and you know it, it's nice to see him healthy um, because. It, towards the, well, I would say the end, but towards the end of his run last year, um, he, you could kind of tell he was a little bit banged up. He wasn't as effective as a blocker as what he had traditionally been. And, and he looks healthy again. And and he looks like he's out there moving people around at the tight end spot, which is, uh, which is awesome to be able to have a guy that can do that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited about it. All right. Do you have any other ones? Um,
1: so I think, uh, Another winner for me, um, is it's gotta be Paris Campbell. Now he only had one target on the day, uh, and he only had one catch, but that one target and one catch went for his first career touchdown. Um, and you know, during the game, um, it was, it was the play where the Colts were, I think that they were inside the red zone, uh, and Jacoby Brissett, we've all had questions about his touch, uh, and he showed a ton of touch on this play because he, he lofted the ball up over every defender, and Paris Campbell was running with, a, I mean, I think the closest defender was probably eight, nine yards behind him. He just smoked everybody, uh, and he, you know, the ball floated perfectly into his arms, and he made the catch, scored six points for his, his first career touchdown. So for that alone, um, you know, it was Big day for him to to catch that ball. I'm sure he would have liked to have uh, been a little bit more involved with the offense, um, but you know it was, it's a big deal scoring your first one, and, and hopefully it's the first of many to come.
0: Yeah, he looked so smooth on that route. I mean, he just he and and <laughs> and really Brissett. Somebody pointed this out, and I you know I, I rewatched the play, and they're right. Brissett freezes the safety really well uh, on that play, holds him in place. And I'm not sure who was lined up. I didn't see the all 22. I just saw the, um, the broadcast angle. And so I don't know who was lined up on the right side. But Brissette held the safety to that right side uh, or, or in the middle and then taking a step to, not the right, the left side. Pardon me. The safety's left side, offensive right side. Um, just long enough that by the time Campbell is crossing through, it's like there's zero chance you're hanging with this guy. And like you said, he's, eight, he's eight-ish he's or more yards free before anybody is anywhere close. The corner has no chance of keeping up with him. And, and like you said, beautiful touch, nice ball. It's one of those things where you think something's got to give before too long. You've got to get this guy more involved in the game plan. right? But there are so many guys that they're utilizing. It's not really like anybody. I mean, nobody, but TY is really getting a whole lot of attention on the offense and you know, they're moving the ball around. Well, which in many ways is a good thing because it's really hard to identify. I mean, it's infuriating if you have anybody on the Colts on your fantasy team, but uh, it's infuriating as a defensive coordinator because there just aren't a whole lot of defensive tendencies at this point in the, in terms of the passing game. And you know, there's a lot of talent there, so they could draw up a game plan in week six at this point and say, Eric Ebron's going to be our go-to guy. Well, they haven't put a whole lot in terms of this season and Jacoby Brissett on film. So I guess I can, I can be okay with that a little bit, but I do hope to see him a little bit more integrated into the game plan Mm -hmm. uh, because he's definitely, An exciting guy to watch
1: yeah yeah absolutely
0: all right so um just do i'm gonna do a couple quick hitters here because i do have a couple more on my list and and i already mentioned him once but eric ebron uh is a guy who i think deserves a little bit of recognition because he had the nastiest hurdle of a player that i mean i'm it was beautiful it was just one of those it was it was i mean he pushes the guy into the ground hurdles him perfectly it was like I mean, he, he could have probably stopped and done the Heisman pose before he continued. (laughs) I mean, it, it just looked excellent. It was a, it was a thing of beauty and you know, he's just, he has looked every bit as good so far this year as he did last year. Same deal. Hasn't gotten used a ton, a little surprisingly, actually how little the tight ends have been used and involved in this, this year's game plans. But, uh, but he has looked good when he's been called on and you know, he's continued to do Eric Ebron kind of thing. So I'm excited about what he's going to be able to do as the season progresses. I hope that they're going to start to integrate the Titans in a little bit more, but also they've been facing a couple of pretty rough pass rushes. And I think that they've been, uh, the goal has been to get the ball out quickly, but also to run the ball, any and all times it's possible to do so just so that there's less chance of taking a bunch of hits and, and possible turnovers. So maybe as we get loose from some of these really rough pass rushes and the season kind of starts to wear on, we see a little bit more out of these tight ends.
1: I think that uh, more than, more than game planned with the, the lack of tight end usage, uh, I, I believe just based on what I've seen, uh, that it's not the game plan that's changed; it's the guy throwing the ball, um, and we can talk about that more a little bit later. Um, but I, I'm not sure that we're going to see the tight ends targeted as much, unless uh, unless you know they're, they're the play is schemed specifically for them. But um, you know, we saw we saw more RPOs last year than what we've seen so far this year. It could be that that's just not a read that Jacoby's comfortable making. Maybe. Maybe he's just not there with that play yet, um, but outside of that, um, I think that really it's just Brissette isn't Brissette isn't looking the tight ends way as much as Andrew Andrew Luck loved tight ends. He he always loved tight ends, um, and so he he went to them anytime he had a chance. Uh, and I think the biggest difference really is just the fact that they're they're not getting a lot of love from the new quarterback, and and that might be a feature of his game, or it might be something that changes over time. We'll have to wait and see.
0: Sure. Um, and the last guy that was on my my list here to just give him real quick credit, because obviously he probably had the biggest play of the game is Jordan Wilkins um, was out week one, had a foot injury that he struggled with throughout some of camp. And we really hadn't talked about him a whole lot. He's one of those guys who went under the radar, had a, had a pretty good rookie season and, you know, wasn't anything you know, groundbreaking, but he's got good contact balance. He's a, he's a solid runner and a guy that I really liked and he looked good. I mean, he didn't, he didn't do a ton. He did lead the team in rushing, but most of that was because of his, his long run that he broke loose. And that really was the play of the game because honestly, watching that offense, you felt like this offense can't move the ball. They are just stuck. And we need a. I mean, there were many times we were thinking the defense has just got to score a touchdown because I don't think that there's any other way that we're going to get a touchdown is if unless the defense scores one. <laughs> and so, him breaking off that big run really did kind of break the dam, I think, a little bit for the offense and help them to you know to get something going and really just change the whole complexion of the game and feel. And uh, so, really, really important big run for him. Big game and Marlon Mack was kind of bottled up for a lot of the game. It was helpful to have him as a change of pace guy. And It'll be good to have him back. I'm. I'm. It was good to see him uh, running so well after being out with a foot injury. So
1: yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think that they'll probably work him back in slow, um, but it would be good to have somebody to take touches away from Mack just to keep Mack fresh for uh, for the long haul over the course of the season. Um, and you know, I, I don't necessarily think that marlon max 20 what was it 20 rushes for 50 some yards i don't necessarily think that that's a big deal i don't think that he's fallen off or i still believe marlon Mack is a quality back like i said that front seven is very good uh and when marlon max in the game well they're they're going to key on him but like you said uh it felt like for most of the game that anytime the colts were between the 20s the, it, they weren't They weren't moving the ball very well. Now, anytime they got inside the twenty, Frank Reich came to life and, and schemed some stuff up and got some guys open and you know, we scored six points. But that those opportunities were few and far between.
0: Yeah, and I think Jonathan Williams getting healthy will will be helpful as well because then they can really do what Reich likes to do, and that's mix in these guys with different abilities and tendencies. And and I think that they'll they'll get things going. You don't ideally want Marlon Mack to take 25 carries a no. game. That's not good for his health long term. And and then if you make it to the playoffs uh what do you do in the playoffs when your back is completely worn out from from carrying that much of a load and I don't think he's built like a guy who can hold up to that kind of pressure in the long term no. either. So so you really don't want to do that to him. It'd be better if you can get keep him to 10, 15 carries a mm-hmm. game and let other guys get involved in that plan as well. So yeah. uh so we're gonna take a real quick break and then we're gonna do the less fun part and we're gonna talk losers. Uh, from this game and and then talk about what this team's identity looks like. So we'll be right back after we hear from our sponsors. OK, guys, I want to talk to you about Tick Pick. TickPick is a great way to get tickets to see the Colts or any other sports, music, or entertainment event of your choice. Not only will you save 10 to 15% off every ticket order, you can do it without any annoying fees at checkout. Think StubHub, but without the fees. Just head to tickpick.com, select your seats, and head to checkout. Get on your way to the next Colts game with TickPick. Hello, I'm
1: Neilai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies, like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person.
0: All right, we're back, and now we're going to talk about some of the losers from Sunday's game, and there were a few. And as we talked about, the offense was a little bit of a struggle. So there's a few on that side of the ball. Uh, I'll let you kick us off because you already had been alluding to one to a couple that I know you that have hamstrung your your analysis because you were trying not to give up the goat. So um, goat, ghost, goat. Um, give up. You're trying not to give up whatever G thing you're supposed to say in that particular um, <laughs> expression. And yeah, so whoever who which which guy do you want to start with? Because I know both of them were uh, a little frustrating.
1: Yeah, so the guy that uh, the guy that is the weak link up front, the on the offensive line. If you've watched the Colts games and you're not sure who I'm talking about, I know for sure you haven't been watching the offensive line. Um, but it's Mark Lewinsky. Um, Lewinsky came in last year and he was kind of a revolution uh, in that he came out of nowhere and he, he played at a high level, started at right guard. Um, there were some times last year where, where he did, uh, he did give up some pressures. He did give up some hurries and luck was good enough to avoid him, step out of the way. Um, he was always good at that. But um, for the most part, Glowinski played really well. Uh, and he, he's come in this season and, and so far he's kind of taken a step back. He hasn't played as well. He's been, uh, he's lunged a lot. He hasn't been moving his feet as well. Uh, and, Mark Lewinsky is the guy up front that the Titans identified as the weak link. I mean, it, it didn't take a genius to see it, um, but the, the Titans identified him and they picked on him most of the game. They were running uh, different stunts and loops to, to get at Lewinsky, and he, he didn't have an answer for a lot of it for most of the game. Um, so for me, it's Mark Lewinsky, And I will say that, um, I, I talked about this a little bit. Um, I really, really wanted the Colts to, to draft Dalton Reisner out of Kansas state. Um, he ended up going to the uh, the Denver Broncos, and he's looked great in Denver. Um, and he was just a, a nasty guy, a mean guy. He's not as good as Quentin Nelson, but they they had the same mean streak of just wanting to drive people into the ground. And at the time, you know, I I knew that it wasn't necessarily a need with Glowinski um, because he he was good. Um, but now, man, it it hurts that much more that we didn't take him. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I remember you talking about uh, that you really liked Dalton Reisner, and then and, and it's it's one of those things where I, I think that we probably will be addressing that position. Uh, I don't know if he would pick up multiple guys. I have a feeling there will be multiple draft picks spent on the offensive line yet again. I don't know that that ever is going to stop for Chris Ballard because he's always going to view that as a spot that can be improved. But uh, there were a couple times, specifically one of the sacks, I don't remember which, where I just i mean he looks like his feet are in concrete mm-hmm. he just kind of gets brushed aside and he's he just kind of turns around and watches i don't even think he attempts to engage anything he just basically just kind of turns and is like oh no this is this is bad i was supposed to stop him um yeah and, and it's just you watch it and it's just, you can almost read his mind of just like oh that was not what i was supposed to do i uh, what yeah and yeah, at that point,
1: when you're be- when you're yeah. beaten that, I've I've been there. When you're beaten that bad, and somebody just runs right by you, there's nothing. You you are completely helpless. Just watching your quarterback just take a beating, and you know it's your fault, and you feel bad about it. But there's it's it's a lookout block. It's hey man, look out! You know it's just it's not going to end well, and and it's your fault.
0: Yeah. So hopefully he can snap out of that a little bit. We saw him play better last year. So hopefully, I mean, he has gone, like we said, we had two really good pass rush defenses that we started out this season with. And obviously we're going to see the Titans again, but hopefully maybe you get a chance to, to right the ship. There's going to be a couple of weeks here where we're not going to see that and not going to have that same kind of pressure on them hopefully he has a chance to kind of settle in and, uh, and and again, they changed offensive line coaches. They're working on a, a slightly different technique and maybe that's thrown him. Maybe he hasn't adjusted to that as quickly as some of the other linemen have, but hopefully he can settle in and get back to a little bit better playing style. We don't, have to want, don't want to have a liability there, but I would guess that's going to be a spot to consider looking at as an upgrade in the off season. Um, so, I'm going to pick the obvious. Well, no, I won't pick the obvious loser here. I'm going to pick the. So I split my winners and losers uh, with Jacoby Brissett because I thought that he did some things really well. Actually, I think that Jacoby Brissett's evasion of a sack is is just really Mm -hmm. impressive. And so he deserves props for that uh, because he all multiple times this season has just thrown guys off kind of like a a early Ben Roethlisberger style. I, I mean, luck did it a little bit. But his was a little bit more um, elusiveness than it, than mm-hmm. evasion. And Brissette is just like throwing these guys off and running away. Um, and so that's been pretty impressive. I mean, he's been in the grasp to the point where it's like, oh, this guy's done. And he's just like, nope, and flings these guys off of him and moves on. Um, and so that's impressive and great. The problem is the other side of the game, which is the actual decision making, and I say decision making, and I, I gotta be careful saying that because I don't think that he makes stupid decisions. He just makes slow decisions. He's like my wife trying to decide what she wants for dinner. Um, he just wants somebody to do it for him. I think um, I'm not. I'm not. It's very slow. It's it's protracted. It's it's. I mean, even when he gets loose, how many times do we watch him get loose? And you think if Andrew Luck had gotten loose from a sack that way. He's going to crush someone down. T.Y. is downfield and they've just scored a touchdown because you let him get loose. Um, and, And we watched that during the time that Luck was a quarterback here. We watched him do that. And Jacoby, I think, threw the ball away once and basically scrambled for a yard on the other time that I recall in this game where he got loose because he just couldn't see somebody open. Now, maybe there wasn't anyone open, but. It's just that slow processor that he can't get through all those reads. There's guys downfield that that I think to some degree it's either it's either processing or it's so much caution that he's not willing to take a shot exactly. uh, when he should, right? Because he's worried because he's worried about throwing a pick, so he doesn't throw into a window that he ought to throw into because he he's not sure that guy's open. It's all of those things combined that really frustrate you because you think those mental things are holding him back because he's got the physical tools. He has all the physical tools. So those are a little frustrating, and I think that kind of makes him a little bit of a loser. I mean, you watched on curl routes where he's not letting go of the ball until the receiver is in their break, and you just can't do that. You can't be that far behind because you're going to give corners an opportunity to get at least break up the ball, if not jump the route and get a pick. And he saw a pick because of that, yeah. I think. So
1: Yeah, so the – the biggest thing that I've noticed with Jacoby Brissett, it's not that he doesn't know where to go with the ball. He's looking. Every time he's been late with the throw, he's been late with a lot of throws. And every time that I've noticed it, every time that I've seen it, he's been late with the throw, not because he, he wasn't sure of where to go with it. You can see it. He's he's looking right at him. He knows that's where he wants to go with the ball, but he's questioning himself. He He's hesitating because he wants to make absolutely sure that he's not going to screw up and throw a pick and that that is the reason that he threw the interception on Sunday um he he waited for TY Hilton to be very very open instead of trusting himself and trusting his receiver that his receiver was going to be open after he, he made his break if Jacoby Recett throws that ball before TY Hilton cuts that's that's a completion um, instead he waited for him to make the cut the DB was able to recover uh and you know he just undercut the throw. Um, There was another one, uh, it was a a curl route to Deion Kane, uh, and it was the same thing. Brissett was was looking right at him. He knew where he wanted to go with the ball and it would have been a good place to go with the ball on that play uh, but he hesitated for just a second he didn't trust himself didn't trust his receiver Um, I think it's more of not trusting himself than the receiver but he didn't trust himself and he made the throw late because he second-guessed himself because he was afraid to make a mistake Um, and that's one thing that um, Nick Foles talked about a lot with with Frank Reich in that Super Bowl run that the Eagles had was that Nick Foles wasn't trusting himself. He had he had had some really good times in the NFL and he would had some really bad times and when he came in he he wasn't trusting what he was seeing and he wasn't he wasn't trusting himself to make those throws and Reich helped him overcome that to to kind of lead them on that, that crazy run that, that the Eagles and and Nick Foles had. So that's something that I think that Frank Reich has dealt with helping players overcome before. With that said, it's not gonna be the same for every guy. This this is this is a mental block more than it's a mental problem. I think Brissett can can process his reads. I think that he can get through it. Um, but it's the trust in himself and in the guys around him to to be willing to anticipate rather than rather than wait for the perfect opportunity to come. He's got to anticipate it. He's got to take some risks, and uh, and hopefully Frank Reich can help him get through that. Because if Frank Reich helps him get through that, I think Jacoby Brissett can be a very good quarterback. I don't think he's ever going to be a great quarterback, but I think he's going to be a guy that we can win with for a long time.
0: Absolutely. Well, and and like we said, he has the physical tools mm-hmm. to do it. I think he can. I mean, I was I was writing. Um, q and I was answering some questions for the Falcons website, the SB Nation page, the Falcoholic, and I was, um, I was answering the question about you know what are the differences with Brissett, and honestly, and my honest answer was that I think Brissett can make every throw that Andrew mm-hmm. Luck could make yeah. physically, um, but it's it's the ability to anticipate, it's all those other little things, and those are all really important little things. It's kind of like saying that you can hit every shot that Tiger Woods can hit except for all of the mental side of things. I mean, yeah, those, those things kind of, those things kind of matter that that all adds up to be really an an important thing. So uh, it's, I mean, Jay Cutler could make a lot of pretty impressive throws, Um, but you know, there's, there's everything else. Yeah. We know, we know know how that went. So, um, so yeah, so you are excited about the, the mold ability that, you know, maybe Frank Reich has done this before and he can work with Brissett and, and hopefully turn him into a guy that can, that can be a very good quarterback. Um, but he's going to have to work on that stuff. And I think that's the reason why maybe you see him going to T Y Hilton a little bit more frequently, because he's got a little bit more trust that T Y can make something happen. If it's, if he messes it up, maybe that confidence level there is a little bit higher. Uh, And so hopefully we see that grow over the season as he gets better rapport with these receivers. Maybe it's even more important for Brissette to have that chemistry with his receivers than it would have been for luck. And so maybe as time goes on and he gets that comfort level and he learns, Hey, Deion Cain's going to get himself open. He's going to work to that ball. Hey, Paris can, Campbell's going to get that separation if I th- if I throw the ball when I know that I should he's going to make it work once you get that a little bit worked out and you start to trust those guys maybe it it changes things a little bit and he can have a little bit more faith in himself so hopefully we see that improve as this goes on all right. Well, I'll let you take the softball, unless you have another one that's that's on your mind that uh, that fits as a, a loser huh. here.
1: So, um, I actually, you know what? I I don't know if this is a softball you're referring to, um, but I think that uh, I think that this ties in quite nicely with what we were just talking about um, because on Twitter after the game on Sunday, as uh, as you know, as being very very gracious to Titans fans. Um, i I made somebody that's exactly that's exactly how i remember me too i don't remember it any other way Um, as i was being very gracious very very charitable um they they someone had said something about how uh how well the Jacoby Brissett had played and uh, that we were lucky to come away with the win and my retort was basically that Jacoby Brissett was late on a lot of throws he was lucky to have only thrown one interception and had Jacoby Brissett played better it wouldn't have been it would have been a two score game I I mean it wouldn't the game wouldn't have been close the Colts would have blown them out Um, and so Really, we we already talked about Jacoby Reset. So really, this is about Titans fans not having any idea. And like the thing is, is that once I said that, Titans fans jumped on the bandwagon of you're crazy. Your quarterback threw three touchdowns and only one interception. And then I realized, oh, my God, Titans fans have never seen good quarterback play. They have no idea what it should look like. Um, And so really, Titans fans are the losers here um, in several ways, really in in every single way possible. They still are the worst fan base in professional football, uh, and it's not even close. And that's, for me personally, that's including Patriots fans. Um, Titans fans, Titans have never won anything, and they act as if they were the Patriots. So uh, they're bar none – lowest, lowest man on the totem pole for me. Um, They're just awful people uh, and they are losers for having uh, watched this game. And they have, again, they have no idea what, what good quarterback play should, should look like.
0: Well, I don't know that I can get on board with if they're worse than Patriots (laughs) fans, but, but if you're having the argument that you might be worse than Patriots fans, it's already says quite a bit about you. So I don't know that I don't know that more needs to be said about that. Um, So, Before we jump into our very last one that that we will mention, uh, and we won't beat that into the ground too much because obviously it's been done to death this week, I wanted to talk about uh, the defenses. Uh, I kind of gave them an L because the defense really struggled to capitalize on turnover opportunities, and that really was an irritating point to me. Now, that's not to say that they didn't make good plays, and to some degree, that's exciting. I mean, we had a forced fumble by Danico Autry. And that forced fumble should have been recovered by, I believe, uh, Al-Qadim Muhammad. But he tried to scoop it up to score instead of fall on the ball. So he didn't get the – so it was actually recovered by the Titans. Uh, We had another forced fumble, and I don't remember who was involved in that one. But again, didn't manage to recover it. There was a ball that hit uh, Mm -hmm. Bobby Okariki. Right in the hands, it was. It would have been a tough catch. So that one is probably the one that I'm go the easiest on. He jumped in, into the passing lane and got his hands on it, and I think he looked pretty surprised to have his hands on the ball. And he did break up a pass, and that was important. But you know, you you look back at that and think, man, how great if he could have pulled that in? That's a pick, and then we've got the ball going the other way. And then there's Malik Hooker's almost repeat of the one-handed catch, and I'm not sure if he did that because he's again just trying to make SportsCenter and, and look cool. I don't know given the way that he extended, that he could have gotten two hands right. on the ball. Um, so it, w- it would have been a tough pick. But again, you got hands on the ball, and you don't come away with the interception. So four different times that the Colts had, had a turnover in their grasp on defense and weren't able to capitalize. And this defense, because of the way that they play, because they are a bend-don't-break and bend-sometimes-break sort of defense – they need those turnovers. Those turnovers are going to matter down the stretch. And this is not you know, saying anything about them in the long term, but they're going to have to dial that in and start making those plays instead of watching them go past because they need it. They need those turnovers, and they miss out on those opportunities. Had they been able to do that, that keeps – you know, that keeps them off the field. If they make that, if they make a turnover like that gets them off the field, gets the offense, another shot, that offense may need those shots. And if they have a running game, that really allows them if they get a turnover to grind the clock down to, if they're late in the game, if they've got a lead too. So, uh, they need to make the, take advantage of those opportunities better going forward.
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree. Uh, I think that you've, you've got to capitalize on every, every mistake your opponent makes. Um, especially, the Colts right now, they they probably aren't going to be able to make a lot of big come from behind wins right now. They they just don't look like a team that can do that. So if your if your teams if your opponent makes mistakes, you have to be there. You have to be ready, and you have to you have to make the most of those because you're not going to get a lot of opportunities otherwise. Um, so you know it, it's one of those things. I definitely found it frustrating that the Colts didn't have a turnover in the game. They well they they did turn the ball over, but they didn't uh, they didn't get a good turnover um and so that that was frustrating for me to watch um i hope that that's something that they can work on and and hopefully most games this year we have we have takeaways um we're going to need that to win and um this next week i think that we'll have you know a few good opportunities or matt ryan will throw a couple 50 50 balls and and hopefully uh hopefully one of his receivers falls down at some point because it might be our only chance <laughs>
0: Uh, Well, on that ray of sunshine, let's cover our very last loser. And we're not, like I said, we're not going to beat this one to death because it's been done all week. But Adam Vinatieri, um, you know, again, two extra points missed. Just, I mean, he very nearly cost them the game again. I mean, the the Titans drive down the field. If they're able to get within field goal range, and kick a field goal, they win the game. And it would have been directly because of those missed extra points. So that's a problem. And as we talked about at the top of the show, they've brought in kickers. They know that it's an issue. They're, they're, they've are they chosen to go with, with Vinny and to stick with him for at least another week. Uh, but, I mean, man, it's just – it's one of those things that it seems like a – he keeps saying it's not a physical thing. And I don't know whether I trust or distrust him there but it almost seems like a mental block at this point that he's just gotten in his own head. And like you said, hopefully having that competition in there, sets something off on him and he can lock in and just, you know, move past this because there's nothing I'd like better than to see him finish the season strong, have all these questions and then be able to go out. And maybe at the end of the season, he needs to say, okay, that's, that's all for me. Uh, We've been through this, but we don't need to do it again. Um, But, It would be great if he could go out this season and have a strong rest of the season. So that's my hope for him. Uh, But really frustrating to be put in that position again. We're going to be in it a lot this season. I don't anticipate we're going to have lots of blowouts. I think this is going to be a season that's going to be won in very close margins, and you just need your kicker to be solid, and so need to get him back uh, in shape or find somebody else uh, and move on. But whatever we do, obviously don't want to be in that kind of position again.
1: Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I agree. I think that you're, you're spot on there.
0: Okay. So last thing I want to do before we get out of here is I want to talk about this team's identity because we've had two weeks now that have looked very different. I think we kind of saw the polar opposite in terms of, of production from the team and, and in terms of how they were carried, because obviously, you know, week one, the defense couldn't get a stop or they looked rough. They couldn't tackle. They just basically got run over and, um, run on, passed on. There wasn't really any any real great aspect of the defense in week one. Week two, complete flip of that. The defense is basically the only thing keeping the Colts in the game and, and then their red zone efficiency. So what do you think, if you're looking at this team, what do you think that their identity is or what do you think that Frank Reich wants their identity to be?
1: I think that their identity needs to be that of just a, a powerful – Uh, bully, just a a smash mouth team. And I know that that it's 2019. We want to, you kind of tend to want to be a high flying spread out offense with a, you know, a guy throwing the ball all over the yard. But um, I'm not sure that they're ready for that. I'm not sure that that's, that that's what Jacoby Brissett is going to excel at right now. And the fact of the matter is when you take a guard sixth overall uh, and you no longer have the guy that you. you no longer have the guy that was a legitimate superstar franchise quarterback. Um, So now you have your, the the highest draft pick, the guy that was drafted higher than anybody else on your team is a guard. Um, That's not an indictment. It it turns out if Quentin Nelson stays healthy and, and doesn't go full Antonio Brown, he's probably going to be a hall of famer. The guy is really good. um, But he's the highest draft pick you have on your team. So you better be, you better lean on that mentality of just wanting to destroy people, blow people off the ball, punish them, and run the ball down their throat game after game. Um, and I think that that that's got to be their mindset. I think that that's got to be what they want to do. I think that um, they've got to have they have to have the mindset of being an underdog. I think that um, you know everyone basically counted them out this year. Uh, when Andrew Luck walked away. So, you know, I think that they've got to look around and they've got to go, hey, our highest draft pick's a guard. Our, our quarterback was traded from his team. He was a backup. Nobody thought he was going to be anything. No one, No one believed in us at all. We need to go out and punch them in the mouth, and they need to have that attitude. They need to have that identify, or that identity, of being just bullies, just wanting to go out, shove people's noses in the fact that they're going to be more physical than them. That they're gonna, they're going to dictate to them, to, to defenses and to opponents what they're going to do. Because if they don't play our game we're just going to run over them all game long so you know I, I think that that's got to be their mindset i think that that has to be this team's identity going forward at least for this season um and i think that that kind of toughness is something that this team's capable of and i think that if they if they take on that identity if they if they accept it and they embrace it. Um, you know whether Jacoby Brissett develops and turns into the type of starter I think he can be, or whether the the Colts decide to go, you know, in a different direction and, and get a guy who can come in and be what they want at that quarterback position. That toughness that they that they're identifying with and that they're building throughout this season, and really that we saw last season as well. But really, where they they're going to have to embrace it now. Um, that's going that's going to carry over well when when there is that guy there that they think can be a superstar. If it's not Brissett, I, I think that. There's potential it could be, um, but you know whoever it is going forward, I think that, that 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 mentality is going to serve them well, even as the offense opens up uh, to to be to include more of that passing in the future.
0: Yeah, I definitely think a bully mentality is a big part of it, and I also think that goes what goes along it. So on on offense. I feel like that looks a little bit more like what we've seen where they're they're gonna run the ball a lot. Mm-hmm. And that's a little bit unusual in the modern NFL. But when they're doing it as effectively as they are, that it makes sense. I mean it's it's pretty hard to say, hey, Marlon Max averaged five and a half yards a carry so far this season. It's pretty tough to to argue that he shouldn't be getting the ball pretty regularly. Right. Um and and yeah, I think it's gonna I think it's a balanced attack, but I think I think you look at maybe the term I would use almost is efficiency in terms of what they want. They want to get their players in a, a position to succeed. They've been red zone efficient. Uh, they've been good getting short yardage on third downs so that they, they can leave their playbook open. On offense, I think that, that sort of bully mentality, but also just being efficient and careful with the ball. Um, and then they're relying on their playmakers. And then on defense, I think if you have that style of play if you're going to play a little bit more of the smash mouth, old school style, like we already talked about in this episode, you need to be able to create turnovers. Mm-hmm. You need to be the bully because they're physically not able to bully offenses the way that they can. I mean, they've got good players, but they don't have on the defense a brutalizing line like they have on offense. That offensive line can push people around their defensive lines, not pushing people around. They're not going to on you know their defensive backs are not shoving receivers off course and shutting down these. They don't have that group of guys. That's not what they do. What they can do and the way that they can be those bullies is that they can take the ball away. They can be a constant nuisance that basically disrupts what you're trying to do because just when you think you've got something going, they're going to either knock the ball free, Malik Hooker's going to swoop in and take the ball, uh, or whatever it may be, or they're going to hit your quarterback because they're going to get around, your, around the end and, and knock the ball loose. That way, they've got to be... Um, they've got to be you know taking away the ball consistently I, th- I mean I think if if they want to succeed and they want to go far that's got to be a part of their game plan and I think if they can do both of those things well if they can push people around on offense and if they can take the ball away on defense they're going to win a lot of games and I think they can win playoff games so um, it, it all it all ties together there but I, I agree I think that sort of that underdog bully mentality of we're not going to take anything from anybody mm-hmm. and we're not intimidated by anybody that's going to go a long way regardless of what they do going forward at the quarterback position um it sets them up well and and it makes them an exciting football team to watch you don't want to see i mean how miserable would it be to have to be watching your team go through what a team like the jets is going through that's just going to get rolled over um because injuries and all of these things are, are are falling in your lap or you've got the dolphins who are basically fire sailing all of their players or you've got the the Jaguars where you know Jalen Ramsey is is asking to be traded and the team is <laughs> busting. All of these awful things are happening to some of these teams. And you just think, man, the Colts thought we had the most ridiculous, awful situation. And then every other lousy team in the NFL has come out of the woodwork to be like, Hold my beer. I don't, you know, I don't want to be outdone by Andrew Luck retiring, so let me freeze dry my feet. Um and then be traded to the Patriots or cut and cut and signed by the Patriots. It just, it's been a mess and it, it it puts some things in perspective when you look at that and go, okay, this team isn't as we've got it better than some other teams.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We do. We, we, no matter what happens, we still have, I still believe strongly that Chris Ballard is the right guy uh, to have at GM. And I think that he would be the right guy for almost 32 teams to have a, a general manager. So, um, you know, I feel like that Chris Ballard is a very good general manager. His leadership trickles down from the top. I feel like that he is a strong leader, uh, and I, you know, it goes from him to Frank Reich, from Frank Reich to Frank Reich's coaching staff, from the coaching staff down to the players, and the, the players see the leadership all the way back up to the top. So, uh, Colts fans should still feel good about the structure of the team. Um, there are certainly more questions today than, than what we thought there would be a month ago. Um, but it it's still not a bad time. There's still not the, the crazy instability th- that so many other teams have. Uh, and that's really, that, that makes for uh, a relatively easy fandom. Uh, and who would have thought that that would be true a couple weeks ago so it's a uh, it's still not a bad time to be a colts fan um it, it is exciting to see the team it, it's a different kind of exciting uh i don't think that we're super bowl, super bowl contenders today like i did you know a month ago um but with that said it's still exciting to see how this team's going to come together and see what they look like and and it's exciting to think about what they could do in the future the future is still bright it's just different
0: definitely All right, guys. Well, that's about all the damage that we can do today. And we've got our show coming up on Friday to go through all of Shepard's scouting reports. Uh, First one's out already. Next one drops tomorrow. Uh, Definitely want to check those out and read through them and undoubtedly either become demoralized about the the offensive scouting report and the receiver talent of the Falcons. Or remember that the last time we played this Falcons team, we beat them with Matt Hasselbeck. Um, Whatever you... whatever thing you want to remember just don't don't try to you know add up all the ways this is totally different just walk away with that remembrance and try to make yourself feel better about it
1: yeah yeah so um full disclosure I, I actually haven't completed my study of the falcons defense yet uh i am going to be up very very late tonight doing that so i can't even give you any teasers as far as what i think i i did watch the first falcons game um week one i watched that gosh it's been a week ago uh and the run defense w- looked porous um this past game I, I caught a little bit of it just watching the game live as it was on TV while I was doing some other things. Um, And their run defense looked a lot better. So again, I I haven't done my, uh, I haven't done my full study. I'm not exactly sure what's going on there, but uh, that will drop tomorrow. uh, And hopefully by the time you get to the end of reading that, it will still all make sense because I will be completely exhausted. uh, And there's a good chance I'm just going to start typing nonsense. So good luck, everybody else. (laughs)
0: well and then tomorrow evening i will actually be on with the falcoholics podcast they do a versus podcast and i'll be on with them chatting a little bit about the matchup and i assume that'll drop on thursday lots of good content at stampede blue to keep track of there'll be some q a and all all kinds of good stuff for you to check out and stuff from obviously film breakdowns and such that are going on throughout the week looking back at last week's game so good stuff worth checking out um Remember to leave feedback, reviews, uh, five stars if you like the show, five stars if you don't like the show and just write a really nasty review along with those five stars. Either one's fine with me. I don't I'm fine with that. Um, follow us on Twitter at Chris Blystone, at NFL NFL scheme and at Jim Campbell 81 even though he's not here you can still follow him. Yeah. And um, we really appreciate you guys. I've we've got good feedback. Oh, we actually and I'm I'm you know should mention this because in since the last show we actually made a t-shirt so we joked about the red (laughs) light the red light district and i was only kind of joking and so i had a t-shirt made and it's i think pretty fantastic and you should check my twitter page i will uh retweet it so that it's uh i can't i can't pin it to the top because i've got my marlin mac tweet pinned to the top so i can't do that but I will, I will retweet it so that you can find it if you're interested. It's on sale right now. I think it's 13 bucks. Um, yeah. Don't feel obligated to buy it, but if you like it, buy it. I mean, it, it looks it's, like a nice shirt. I mean, pretty, if it's
1: not, your- yeah, it's a fantastic shirt. I think, uh, I think everyone should get it.
0: Yeah, I mean, you definitely should, but if you, you know, don't feel ob- obligated if you think it's terrible, but if you think it's funny and I think it's funny, uh, you you should buy it. And if you don't think it's funny yourself, maybe buy it for somebody who you think would think it's funny. It's, I, I enjoy it. So uh, let's, it was- let's make this red light district a thing. Yeah, it's, and, I, think, uh,
1: I personally, I feel like it's a good gift for grandma for Christmas. That's just how I feel about it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> should do that. Uh, With no comment or explanation, just just give her that shirt and no note. Just just signed you
1: stocking stuffer. Um.
0: That's right. So uh check that out. You know, check out Skin it Again, we've talked about that a few times. Shepard, you said you got your Skinit case on. You like I it? I do,
1: yeah. I, I like it a lot. Um, it looks great. It actually, so a lot of cases I, I've I've had quite a few and they don't fit that well. And this one snapped right on, it fit like a glove, and and uh it looks pretty cool. And and uh yeah, I'm a big fan of it.
0: Yeah. I still have the my uh my Switch Nintendo Switch. Uh, decals all in the package because I've been incredibly lazy and have not put it on. They look really great. I'm sure they'll look really great uh, in six months when I actually remember to put them on right, my, right. my switch. But uh, but yeah, so glad that that looks good. And I think that's it, guys. We'll be back on Friday, and uh, we'll be talking about the everything to do with the Falcons, the preview, the home opener, and hopefully some good news on all those injuries, and exciting to see Uh, football game in Lucas oil stadium until then that's all we got guys we'll catch you next time see ya